Hello and welcome back to another episode of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke and as always I'm joined by Pastor DJ Lura and Sarah, and Sarah DeYoung. Uh, um, did, did, did I throw I, you off your game by saying did, hello? No, yeah. did I, but did I steal that? I was he, wondering if I stole the intro from you. No, no, you're, no. You're kind of... You know, I'm, I'm, a, um, I'm the GoBots to your Transformers. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm the I'm the poor man's Ryan Janky. <laughs> for, <laughs> for for a second, uh, when the music was going, I was waiting for you to to, to, to yeah, buzz yeah, on he, in. He yep. takes hey, two everybody. weeks off and then forgets what he's doing. <laughs> Notice that we put you in the in the Pascal chair, the mm-hmm. head chair. It should oh, be a little sure, higher. Sure, we can get sure. you a, a, a hat. Yep, yep and a yep. and a you know, and a scepter, a, a stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, while we were in Nicaragua, we were listening to the to the podcast. And uh, for a while, and it was just it was just all jokes. Don't take it personally. Just, have, you, have you seen Reservoir Dogs? You were all making jokes about about us. Have you seen Reservoir Dogs? I have. Yeah. You know, uh, K Billy, the radio. Yes. The, the, <laughs> the guy on the radio. Hey, everybody! This is that <laughs> podcast. <laughs> K Billy swinging songs of the seventies yeah. brings you another. Steve, yeah, Stephen Wright, the most. <laughs> He's worse than Norm Macdonald in his just <laughs> panel delivery. Is that how we were coming across? No, no, no. We we were just Derek and I were just making goofs. Yeah. We were roast. Yeah. We were getting roasted. Yep, yep. From thirty five hundred miles wow. away. That if you're gonna roast me, that's probably a safe distance to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. that was good. That was funny. <laughs> Say that to my face. I will from thirty five hundred miles away. Oh, I will. In. Two to four business days when I get back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're you're a hard act to follow because mm-hmm. some some things that you say, some some inflections have kind of become uh, tradition or part of the lore of 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 that podcast. of that podcast. <laughs> the lore. So, part of the brand. Yeah, yeah, part of the brand. So I can't pull off the riveting the way that you do. Nope. Just my voice also, will squeak if yeah, I try. I I saw that uh you you came up with with something else. What was it? Uh that there, I, I that, like and, the joyful uh, and triumphant one myself. There's also no like synonyms. Yeah, riveting is all riveting. by itself. Yeah. Well, good. Yes. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I did my job then. Job yeah. security. Yep, stamp the copyright on there. It, well, nothing else feels as quite right as you're mm-hmm. riveting to describe another episode of that <laughs> podcast well it it's it's good to be back i'll i'll maybe i'll break out the it's riveting. been another lukewarm and milk toast episode of <laughs> it's been all right <laughs> another vanilla episode of. <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's good having you back and and you know, uh, we have we have quite a bit to get into for this episode, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm hoping soon after you've processed and digested and pondered a bit that you'll give us the the full yeah. experience of Nicaragua. That yeah, it it was uh, it was amazing. Yeah, well, Paul's not in here. I can say it was awesome, can't I? We talked about this last night. God was there. Yeah. So in God well, is that's awesome. True. So that's true. Yeah. Yep. Nicaragua was awesome. Yeah, I was. It was it was really good. Um uh we uh we served um at a uh, a school where they teach the kids there to speak English. We served uh, at a Sunday school. We helped with a um 
a health clinic mm-hmm. there. Uh, it was all good. Wow. Yep. And none of us were detained at the border. Uh, so that was good. Did you sleep? Like, oh, like a baby. Isn't that, a, isn't that the best feeling? Like I, the best sleeps I've ever had is on mission trips. You work all day. You're running around. There's so much going on and you just lights out at, at nighttime. Like on floors with nothing on, on a gymnasium from some mm-hmm. of the mission trips I've been a, a part of with youth. Mm-hmm. Still out like a light. This was the most comfortable I've ever slept on a mission trip and I did not sleep on the floor. Mm-hmm. I did not sleep in a bed. Slept in a hammock? I had a hammock. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, slept like a baby. That's cool. Yeah, it, if I had a place to put one. If Tabitha would a allow it. A hammock is I'd, like a grown-up bassinet. Uh-huh. Kind of. It. If Tabitha would allow it, I'd put one right up in the living room so that I could lay there and watch the TV and <laughs> just have it. Right. Yeah. I'm just imagining you going, because what, Alaska and where else is on the docket for the summer for your youth? Kansas City. I, I just imagine you with this hammock trying to find two trees. Like, all right, kids, guess what? Your job tonight is to hold up the sides of my hammock in this gymnasium. <laughs> there, there were a ton of hammocks there that I could have bought, but I was like, where am I going to put it? I didn't think of that. You go on two mission trips every summer. Yeah, I know, but I mean. If you have a hammock in your living room, you have officially become Homer Simpson. <laughs> Or you revert well, back that, to like they have, a twenty-year-old man. A, actually, they have them all over down there in their living rooms, and and uh, yeah, it's it's good. There's so. a there's a Simpson episode where Homer goes to his boss and say, "Hey, I'm looking for a hammock for his employees, the mm-hmm. the guys." He's like, "I'm trying to get them more productive." He goes, "Well, there's there's hammock hut on on down on fourth. Then there's <laughs> uh, uh, all ye hammocks, and then there's the medieval hammocks." Uh, 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 you know what? That's all done on Hammock Street in the Hammock <laughs> District. Oh man, they they were comfortable though, laying in those laying in those things. Yeah, you're like in a cocoon, and you're just like, yeah, right. Yeah, they're good. nice. Yep, it was really good, and I did not wind up in a uh, Costa Rican prison, so that was good. Yeah, it do you want to do you want to give a little bit of an update was, on that on close. on that broadcast that you know Interpol's uh, monitoring this? So yeah. May, well, maybe I maybe I should so that everybody knows that I that I was not detained. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's official. It, it's official. Yep. I uh, <laughs> have a record. <laughs> so the 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 leader of the trip uh, is Del Ruff. We went with Ruff Inter- uh, International. He's been on that podcast before. One of the earlier episodes, yeah. maybe even in the teens. Yeah. Um, but so he was the leader, and he took care of all the all the stuff. And as he was doing all that stuff, he had to um, buy like uh, health. You had to have health insurance, um, like a traveler's health insurance, in case you'd get COVID on the trip. They were, you know, they had a guarantee that you could afford a hotel room or hospital bills or whatever. And you got to pay to get in and pay to get out, and you know all the different things that you have to do on a mission trip. He was taking care of all of that, and it got to the point where he was printing off the paperwork and my stuff wouldn't print off and he tried to print it and it didn't print he tried to print it again and it didn't print again and so finally this was the night before we were leaving did you try turning it off and turning it back on again he he may have okay i don't know but uh finally he's like we'll just deal with it when we get there but just as he was going to log off a little chat bubble popped up on the screen and and somebody asked if he needed assistance and he thought well i do so i'll check this out and typed in what was going on and they said oh yeah that guy he can't leave the country (laughs) what (laughs) 
Yeah. You haven't heard this story yet, sir? No. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they're, oh. they're Nobody like, tells me anything. Desperado. Yep. They're like, no, he he's not allowed to leave the country. And so my cousin's like, what do you mean he's not leave the, allowed to leave the country? He's not even in the country yet. And they said, no, he can't leave. He's wanted for credit card fraud. And this is all in Costa Rica. In Costa Rica. Okay. Well, I, yeah. So, the, the, yeah, that's in Costa Rica um, the night before we're supposed to leave the United States to go to Costa Rica. Okay. Got it. Got it. We got have it. found the great villain, <laughs> Lamarck, in Nicaragua. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So he uh, he's like, what, what do you mean? He, he's not even in the country. How could he not be allowed to leave? <laughs> And they said, nope, he's not allowed to leave. And this went up through the chain, evidently. The trap is set. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, you know, the whole time he's, like, trying to plead my case for me. You know, I've known the guy my whole life. I'm fairly certain he's not wanted anywhere for anything. <laughs> and uh, they, We don't nope. even want him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so they're like, nope, he, he can't. If he, if, he, uh, if he comes to the border to try to leave, he will be de- detained. And he's like, oh, What okay. if we try to get into the country? Right, right. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, exactly. You can get in, no problem. Yeah, yeah but you yeah. can't leave. Come it's on like in. Hotel hey. California. You can check in. <laughs> anytime trust us yeah come on in and so uh he, he's like that no there's obviously there's something wrong you know and they're like no hey that's the bottom line he, he can't leave so he's like okay i'll deal with this tomorrow because it was late in the day the night before we were supposed to leave and the next morning he wakes up and what does he have but a voicemail from bell bank credit card fraud division <laughs> That his uh, they had they they froze his card. He cannot use it because some jabroni named Ryan Jenkins <laughs> running around Costa Rica, uh, racking up charges on his card. Okay, <laughs> is now, that a little? Uh, now I see what's going on here. So the Costa Rican government, or you know that side of it, works quicker than Bell Banks Fraud Department is well, what we're learning. Uh, no, I don't think that's the case. Oh, okay. I, I think that immediately when there was a, a seizure of his <laughs> of his assets or whatever it was, uh, they, they, they you know they they just blasted shut her down. Yep. They blasted it out everywhere, especially in Costa Rica where all these charges were coming from. And then uh, after they froze everything, then hey, by the way, we we. Lo- we did you a solid and locked up your stuff and arrested this guy named whoever. Janky. Yeah. So he is like, oh, okay, I see what's going on now. So he called Bell Bank, got that squared away, and then called whoever he had to call in Costa Rica. And yeah, they cl- cleared my name. But for 12 hours, dun, dun. I was wanted internationally. Yeah. Greatest criminal mind of our time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Somebody start playing bad boys, bad boys. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know about your constitution, but. I don't speak Spanish, and if that would not have been addressed, and I would have been arrested mm-hmm. in a country oh. in, w- with the language that I do not speak, I would have been terrified. Oh, trust me, I thought of all of this <laughs> after he told me, because he told me when we were in Miami, like two hours. Oh, by we, the way, <laughs> uh, hey, just just so you know, I think I got everything cleared up. <laughs> And clearly but, you were able but, to go but, through Costa Rica. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and you know, after uh, after the sort of, oh, my, wore off, I thought, wait a minute. They likely wouldn't have even left let me leave Hector because right. they scanned my passport. Yeah. And, hey, by the way, I wouldn't go you there know, if I, I were you. I wouldn't trust that, though, because <laughs> the last time I flew out of Hector, I saw a woman put a Subway sandwich through the TSA check machine. So really? they get by with a lot down there. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Changes What's her name, name and 
I get have some information. Yeah. <laughs> Master criminal. The only thing that I can understand is apparently I have just a very welcoming aura about myself because I saw her in front of me and I was like, oh my goodness. Yep. She's doing that. And then I went down, sat by my gate and I was like, perfect. I could be on my phone, watch my movies. I'm great. She found me. She goes, are you flying to Nashville? <laughs> yep. Are you stopping in Chicago? Yep. So we were on the same flight. And she goes, perfect. You can help me find the next gate for uh, Chicago to Nashville. And she found me after we landed in Chicago. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Yep. Well, good yeah. Samaritan on your mm-hmm. part, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, whether you wanted to be or yep. not. Yeah. So that's where that's where Scandinavian Midwestern piety bangs up against helping your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really want to, but all right. I'm yep. too. I don't want to say no. Yeah. Well, yeah. But we're very much like, you know, don't tread on me. Mind your own business. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you could if you could come up with a, a slogan for this part of North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, I think it would be mind your business. <laughs> M.Y.O.B. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. That's funny. All right. So, well, well, so, um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that just for those of you who were concerned, all is good. Um, if you are in your, uh, your, um, your character and reputation is in, is intact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever there was before. Yeah. Um, if, if you are in the, the Fargo Moorhead area, uh, on, Oh, I don't know which which Sunday it would be. Does somebody have their calendar? Um, uh, the next one is January twenty third. So the twenty third, and then the thirtieth. So it would be like uh, February sixth. Um, I am going to do a presentation. I don't know if I'll have Derek Whalen, who you've heard us talk about before, uh, was along on this trip as well. Um, and and of course my cousin Del Ruff was there. I don't know if. Um, uh, either of them will be there, but I am going to do a presentation probably in the fireside room, February 6th at Atonement. So if you'd like to come in for that and check it out, I'll give you the rundown. Excellent. Sweet. Yeah. So what do we got going on? I'm out of the loop here. Yeah, so uh, we got a lot going on mm-hmm. at Atonement in 2022. I mean, we just we hit the ground running. And right now we're in a sermon series uh, called What I Like About God. <clears throat> Last time we talked about um, some of the, the characteristics of God that, that uh, you know, I found a list and we discussed those. But, but this last Sunday, Paul gave a message on God the Son. And I came up to him afterwards because it was, I mean, it's full of meat and potato type stuff. But I said, Paul, I think you gave a 14-point sermon. And I recorded them. So I have theses for us to discuss, and I'll read off the different points that he made about God the Son, what he likes about God the Son, mm-hmm. and and we can discuss them and 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 go deeper into them. Okay, right. sounds really good. All right. So, and uh, for those playing the home game, if we talked about God the Father the week before and the attributes of God, and this week we talk about God the Son, you can guess where we're going this upcoming Sunday and into the next week. Do you want to take a stab at it, sir? You go for it, Ryan. You haven't been here. Let's keep you on your toes. How about the Holy Spirit? Well, some people might say that, or or old school might call it the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do the the Holy Ghost hoedown. Nice. Uh, get get into what we like about the Holy Ghost. But this week it's Cowboy Church. <laughs> this week it's God the Son, and so point number one, and I have fourteen points here. 
And if need be, let me know and I'll do what I did last night during confirmation, which is speed up. We had, I had seven points and we had uh, two minutes until a bunch of munchkins <laughs> were going to come into the arc. So I went through seven points in like 10.4 seconds. Speed read. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to derail us again. <laughs> you should have been there. I was. <laughs> Not where I was. So you, In the were, hallway? you were up doing your thing and uh, I, I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, we agreed on 730. It's 730. And I look over and Katie, our, our uh, kids ministry director, pokes her head in and she's looking around and I'm like, I better go talk to Katie because he had seven points and he's on number three. <laughs> so I go over there and I was like, uh, Katie, I think he's got a ways to go yet. And she goes, well, it's 730. And pretty soon he's going to get bum rushed by about 40 little kids. <laughs> you can't stop the tide. Don't fight against the tide. I'm just imagining that scene in Titanic on the lifeboats where the guy's like, get back. <laughs> well, I was, I was, I was flying by. There was smoke coming out of my ears as soon as I saw the clock. Cause I saw everyone at the door and I'm like, uh Oh, it's eight thirty, eight thirty one. And so then it was, Everybody get your chairs, set them up against the side. And as the teenagers were getting them all up, just this horde of youth come oh, pouring was, in. Yeah, it was a wave. Anywho. So if that happens again with this, just give me the nod or whatever it needs to be. We'll fly through the last one. Okay, so point number one, thesis number one. And you guys can give your comments on this. Jesus comes in the flesh. Mm -hmm. In other words, Jesus is completely human. He's not an idea. He's not a myth. He was human. He lived. He was born. He died. Do you believe that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I always, uh, or not always now, but um, in the past, I got all tripped up on the the word, on calling Jesus the word. Mm -hmm. um, is, that, is that something, is that question that you get a lot from people like, what does that even mean? Like he is the word and the word became flesh and yes, but usually in a different way, not as, not as biblical as you just put it, because that's actually the, pro that's the proper way to understand who is Jesus. That is really the big structure struggle for Christianity as a whole. Who is Jesus? Mm -hmm. Is he a great teacher as, um, certain religions believe? I mean, even, even, um, the Jewish faith teaches that Jesus was a rabbi. And there really is not a whole lot of question about, you know, they don't, they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah um, and they don't believe that Jesus was risen from the dead, but there's not a whole lot of argument from the Jewish people of evidence as to why Jesus is a, a, wasn't risen from the dead. It's more just he was a rabbi and he fell away from the Jewish faith and made all these claims about himself. But they still say that he was a teacher and that mm -hmm. much of what he taught is right in line with the Old Testament, um, with, with Torah, with the guidance, that he was a, he was a good teacher. Mm -hmm. For Muslims, they teach that Jesus was a prophet. They teach that, um, and a prophet has a special category in Islam. There's only a few people that are prophets. Moses is a prophet. Uh, David is a prophet. Um, Jesus is a prophet. And Muhammad is a prophet. And what they all have in common is they have books of God's word that was given to them. 
Okay. So Moses is attributed to the first five books of the Bible. David is attributed, the Psalms are attributed to David himself. Um, and uh, the New Testament is attributed to Jesus. And then the, the Quran is attributed to uh, Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll even talk about that Jesus was, was the Messiah for Israel. And they teach that he'll come again. What they don't teach is what you're talking about, that Jesus is the word of God and that this implies that he is God. Yeah. That he's fully God, right? In the early church, the issue wasn't so much whether or not Jesus um, was lived or not, but how much of God was he? Like, like what is he, is he 50% God and 50% human? Is he 75% God and 25% human? And there's all kinds of heresies that popped up based on this issue of Jesus being fully human. That's why the Apostles' Creed is written the way that it was. If you ever listen to the second article, we start with, I believe in who? Jesus the Christ. Christ is a title, which means that he's the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. That's what it's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son. Well, whose only son? God the Father's only son. Mm-hmm. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Okay, so that's a statement about who Jesus is. He's our Lord. He's the son of God the Father. He is the promised Messiah. Next line is is what? Um, he, uh, I believe he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. The reason why it says that is to make clear both the divine and human status of Jesus, that he's fully God and fully human. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he was born because one of the heresies Gnosticism taught that Jesus wasn't born. He was um, uh, he was an aspect or a, an avatar of the one God, Eoboeth, and that he would take on this human form to mock the, the slavery of, of existence. Mm. Crazy stuff, right? Mm. But to say that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and then to go on and say that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, was is a complete rejection of Gnosticism. Completely. Because they also taught that he didn't die. Mm-hmm. He just pretended to die. Right. Okay. You go on to the next line, he descended into hell. This is another way of saying that he, he didn't just mostly die, as they say in The Princess Bride. He was dead, dead, dead as a doornail dead. Mm-hmm. He died. Yep. He descended to the dead. Um. He descended into hell. We wonder about what that means um, because it can mean all kinds of things to people. Um, On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. So the entire second article that I have on my bracelet with this five stuff, five things. You know, he was born. He died on the cross. He was buried. He's risen. He ascended and he'll come again. Mm -hmm. Real simple is rather scandalous even in our day-to-day because of the person of Jesus. Who is he? For Christians, he's 100% human, which means that he, everything that he suffered is no different than the suffering that we have. Everything that we've suffered, he suffered. Everything that we've gone through, he's gone through. He's gone through the pains of, of relationship and rejection. And, you know, uh, maybe Jesus wanted to be a carpenter. Maybe that's all he wanted to do. <laughs> You know, so he's the, the rejection of a dream to do what his father wanted him to do, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so, you know, a little little tongue-in-cheek there, but I mean, any sorrow that we have experienced, any strife that we've experienced, Jesus experienced as well, only without sin. So that's what we mean when we say that he's fully human. 
Okay. Okay. Um, the next one is Jesus is the word of God. Mm-hmm. You nailed it, Ryan. Skipping ahead, Ryan. So what is it about that phrase that, that has bugged you about talking about Jesus? Oh, I don't know that it's bugged me. I think it is or just, you've scratched your just head about. confusing. Like, what is that? Like, you know, when you think of, <clears throat> of words, you think of, of spoken words or written words. Right. You know. It's interesting. Just before coming in here, I was I was boning up on some real contemporary stuff. Um, an article from three twenty A.D. Mm-hmm. by an historian talking about Arius, and Arius also was like, "Jesus is not fully God. He's the Word of God. Words are created things, and the Word was spoken into existence by God, who was um, the Father." Because he begot Jesus, but prior to begetting Jesus, he was not God the Father. This is the original argument as to why the Apostles' Creed is written. It had to do with the fullness of Jesus' divinity without the expense of his humanity. Because here's what Arius taught. As Christians, we teach that, that God is one God in three persons, right? One essence, one divine essence, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons. Unique, distinct persons. What the Father does, the Son does, the Holy Spirit does, mm-hmm. and yet there are three distinct persons, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. The Father uh, was not begotten nor made or proceeds. The Son is begotten from the Father. He is not made, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, Okay, that's the language that was created to explain this mystery of one God and three persons. And how can Jesus, who is born incarnate, exist from eternity and not come into existence at some point later than the Father? Mm-hmm. Um, Arius was a guy who taught that Jesus was God, but he was more than a man and less than God. He was like Babe Ruth or Hercules. Um He's a demigod per se. He, that, that God doesn't have one essence in three persons. God has maybe one or two essences in two to three persons. That was the confusion of, of Arius. Because Jesus was of a different essence than God the Father. God the Son and God the Father are, are basically two different gods. One is lesser than the other. And the Holy Spirit is the power of God the Father and God the Son, depending on the degree of who was arguing. Mm-hmm. Well, this is completely rejected at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, and it was the language that has stayed with Christianity is the language that Jesus has two natures, 100% human and 100% God. He is the Word of God. The Word of God is not something that is created by the Father, but is it is of the essence of the Father and is the instrument in which all of creation takes place. But he's not created at some point in time. And here's the major issue with Arius that I don't think he understood. I think this makes more sense rationally in our day-to-day thinking. You know, how can you say that Jesus was created in time if he existed before time existed? You ever think about that? Mm -mm. Because he's the word, he's the word of God pre-incarnate. Once he's incarnate, we know him as Jesus, the son of God. He's still the word of God, but prior to his physical existence on earth, he's he's God for eternity, mm-hmm. from eternity, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's, he's hidden 
He's hidden Jesus before he's revealed Jesus in the New Testament. And he's referred to as the Word. The Word was with God. In other words, God wasn't by God's self before time began. God was in community with God's self, with the Word, and with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so once creation starts, how does creation start? How does time get started? Through the Word. Therefore, the Word is not created. The Word is begotten. The the Son is begotten. It uh, uh, exists as part of an expression of the will of God the Father. Mm-hmm. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it's just you know it's just hard stuff to wrap your head around. Yeah, yeah. The danger is is trying to put Jesus in a place of existence as part of the creation. Mm-hmm. which is what Arius was doing. Yeah. When in actuality, Jesus, before there was time, before there was anything, before there was beginning, there was Jesus. That's that's the main point that comes out of this. And Jesus is the the revealed God that shows us the, the heart of God, God the Father, in the Son, because it's only through the Son that God becomes God the Father. <laughs> Uh, um, the the person of the father gets his identity is through the son. Yeah. It's all in bottom line, just like for all Sunday school kids, what it means when we say that Jesus is fully God and fully human, it means that it's all about Jesus. Okay. And that's going to play out in the rest of them. So the word is Jesus in his person, Mm -hmm. but then it's the word also expresses how Jesus shows up to bumpkins like us 2,000 years ago after he existed physically as a human. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's the word preached because the word that proclaims Jesus is Jesus coming to you right where you are in his word. And this is something that he says, that I didn't come to into the world to judge the world. My word will be the judge of the world. Because he's crucified, died, and risen. He's ascended into heaven. He's loose. He's not bound by a physical body. Mm-hmm. He is the word in action. Okay? And then it's the word written. The, the writings speaking about the character of who Jesus is is recorded in Scripture. And we can look to that and say, this is the word of God. If you ever wonder, who is Jesus? What is Jesus like? The source is not to go to traditions like, Judaism or Islam or even Christianity's traditions, but it's to go to the word of God, Mm -hmm. to go to scripture. Okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. All wrapped up. Watch this about five or ten more times, and that'll maybe (laughs) start making sense to you. So this one I found was interesting. Number three, Jesus is full of grace and truth. Mm -hmm. It's not one or the other. And I think that this is important to distinguish because it's very easy for us to lean on one or the other of those characteristics of Jesus to make Jesus what we want him to be rather than what he is. Right. So think about two things. We'll start with the first word, grace. What does grace imply? What does it mean to say that Jesus is full of grace? Forgiveness. Yeah, mm-hmm. full of forgiveness, full of... He, he's. I, I have in my office, like from the movie Dogma, the Buddy Christ, yeah. where he's... <laughs> Thumbs up, winking at you, pointing at you. He's just a you. nice guy. He's just yeah. a nice guy. Hey, you he's someone you want to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's, just, he's just very gracious and fun to be around mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, hippie Jesus. Yep. Right? Yep. If you just have grace without Jesus' other aspects, that's pretty much what you get. Mm-hmm. Because grace without truth becomes indifference. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus could, could take you or leave you. Whatever. You want to hang out with Jesus? Cool. You don't? Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Yeah. So what is truth? If Jesus is full of truth, what does that mean? I, I kind of, I don't know if this is correct or not, but when I think of, of uh, truth and grace, I think I kind of equate it to law and gospel a little bit. I think you nailed it on the head with a good, you need a Luther sticker for that one because <laughs> that's about as Lutheran as it gets. Gold star. <laughs> but you're right. I, what, what does the law do? The law is God's intentions for humanity. Therefore, the law is true in what it says and does, mm-hmm. right? And what does the law do? The law reveals the truth about who we are and what kind of a world we live in. We're constantly lying to ourselves about the reality of death. Uh, we, we, we turn our eyes to the suffering of, of the world, especially in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think of the experience that you've just gone through. What an eye opener to be like, we have no idea in the United States what life is like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, yeah. we're, we're, uh, we're just a bunch of babies. We're soft. S A W F T soft. Well, uh, yeah, I, I can, I mean, we can have a whole, a you don't whole, need to bang the United States, but well, I mean, it's just, it, it's the truth. Yeah. Well, no, what I was going to say is we could have a whole episode on, on my experience down there, but you know, and we the, will. The, the, but there was, there was, um, yeah, coming back just one, one little, one little snippet of, um, my experience when I got back compared to my experience there, the first thing I noticed, one of the first things I noticed when I got back um, that night within an hour of touching the ground in, in Fargo was a car that pulled up next to us as we were driving home and you hear this. <laughs> and for whatever reason, it was like, you know, it was a, a soft thud from their radio next to me. But in my head, it was like crashing noises. And I'm like. So much louder. Oh, yeah. So much louder. Yeah. So much. So much just, noise. So much noise. So much like over stimulus. Like, whoa. You know. So much noise. And you're talking about in Fargo. Yeah. Of all mm-hmm. places. Yeah. You know. Yep. This 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 is not the city that never sleeps. We sleep well at night. <laughs> it gets very dark and cold here. Everything right shuts down. Four p.m. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and and so to think that death is a real thing, that that suffering is a real thing, that this isn't the way the world is supposed to be, is not a denial of reality. It's the truth. Um, even if you think of everything as being naturalistic, I mean, it, it, you take God out of the equation and the idea of natural selection begins to work. I was watching this video on PBS last night, the show about um, um, predators and prey in the Pacific. And, uh, you know, we have some of the most beautiful pictures of, of wildlife. What a beautiful planet. But, I mean, the argument was basically like this animal eats this animal, this animal eats this animal, that's all they do. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're born, they grow, they eat, they mate, they die. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one way to look at creation that's very naturalistic that takes away the reality of sin and suffering and death and puts those as normal operating mechanisms of existence, mm-hmm. which they are. They, they, you can look at it that way. But the truth is the human experience is broken and flawed and not what it's supposed to be because of a severed relationship with God. 
Um, and this is the this is the witness and the story of Christianity that the truth of the matter is we are all walking in darkness, and the light has broken in, and the light cannot be overcome. It can be denied till we're blue in the face, mm-hmm. but that's the truth of Jesus Christ, and that is what we mean when we say truth that before Jesus and before um, God we suddenly see who we are and what creation is and what it's meant to be and the big lie, the big lie of the devil and evil that would like to stay hidden in the darkness mm-hmm. and take away any hope or or mercy or joy or love or anything from all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus being full of grace and truth gives us both. The truth is we are sinners in need of a savior. He is that Savior. He is the Savior. He's the only one in whom we can know who God is. And alongside that, in spite of our sinfulness, he doesn't pour out just wrath upon us, just as in he is just to do so. Not not just wrath, like just this and nothing else, but a just wrath from God that we deserve mm-hmm. for our sins. He gives us grace. And there, grace is not indifference. Grace becomes what it's meant to be. Loving a sinner so much that you don't give the sinner what they deserve. You give them mercy, mm-hmm. forgiveness. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's pretty cool. And you can call that law and gospel. Cool. Yeah. I will. <laughs> I know you will. All right. Moving on. Uh, number four. Jesus... Um, is a juxtaposition. Oh, When God enters into earthly physical things, when God engages with earthly physical things, a juxtaposition takes place. Okay. Um, the world does not teach that this is divine. And I'm not teaching that this, this specific book is divine. What we teach is that it's a fully human document written by several authors over thousands of years and yet is the revelation of God and inspired by God. It is God-breathed, and so it is both human and divine. I would say it's 100% human and at the same time 100% divine um, because when, it, when, it, when you read it, the Holy Spirit speaks to you through it. It's God's word. It's God's intentions for your life. It's law and gospel. It's the word of God, and yet it's also a book. It's several books. It's a library of books written by different authors over a long period of time. That's juxtaposition, mm-hmm. two opposites that hold together intention to be true. We teach the same thing with the Lord's Supper, that it is 100% food. You're not eating bone and sinew and capillaries and red blood cells. It's not... It's not that kind of of blood drink and flesh drink. And yet it is Jesus' body and blood because the word makes it so. It's 100% food and 100% Christ where he promises to be for a sinner like you. Mm -hmm. They're in juxtaposition to each other. Some Christians teach, nope, it's completely food. Um, I don't think anyone teaches it's completely Jesus. It's it's usually (laughs) somewhere in between there. But certain traditions like the Roman Catholics and Lutherans, we teach that it's fully food and fully Jesus. Mm -hmm. They teach that it's perpetually Jesus. We teach that, no, it's the event, it's the promise that makes Jesus truly present in, with, and under the bread and the wine. So there's distinctions there. But 
It's a juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Just like Jesus, he's fully human and fully God at the same time. He has two natures that are united. They're not intermixed. And like, like it's not like you like mixing up a a a, a drink or like a like a milkshake, putting it in a blender. Jesus isn't isn't a blender shake of God and human. He's one hundred percent human, and he's one hundred percent God. We also teach that we are simulustus et peccator, that Christians are one hundred percent sinners in and of ourselves, and at the same time, on account of Jesus Christ and faith in Him, one hundred percent saints, forgiven in Christ. Those are juxtapositions. Mm-hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. Juxtaposition, seventy nine points in Scrabble. I looked. Is it? it up. You looked it up. Oh. Best word, people. And I had someone say it was their favorite word yesterday at confirmation. So I, I'll use it nice. as many times as I can. Yep. If you're like getting points for each time, so yep. juxtaposition, juxtaposition. It's one you can't really say fast. No. 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 no you'll no. you'll goof it up. Mm-hmm. But it means the tension between polar opposites. Law and gospel is, I mean, we're all about it. We're, we're about it, about it in the, in the Lutheran <laughs> church. We're all about juxtaposition. You guys are, you guys are cool with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am. Makes sense. It it, 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 I'm glad it makes sense to you because for systematic theologians, this makes their eyes, eyeballs melt. They can't stand juxtaposition. It has to find a logical con- way to get from point A to point B. It can't mm-hmm. just be opposite. And Luther would drive people nuts because he was all about juxtaposition. He was not a systematic theologian like his buddy Philip Melanchthon was. He wa- he had no problem being like, yeah, you're 100% sinner, and yet you're 100% saved in Christ. And the church is like, yeah, but how do you get from A to B? Don't you need to earn merit? <laughs> no, nope, that just makes you more of a sinner. <laughs> you're completely forgiven in Christ. Live in it, love it, move on. Uh, anyway, okay. So the next one, number five, and this is, again, one of those things that's the mystery. There is only one God. Mm. Yeah, that mm-hmm. one is that hard, hard for people to wrap their minds around for you, sure. And do you know why it's hard? Mm. Because of Jesus. Mm. If Jesus was not in the arithmetic... No one has a problem with it. Um, but because of the unique statements and person of Jesus, this is where it becomes a problem. If Jesus was an avatar of God, no problem. Mm-hmm. If Jesus was, you know, mainly God and just like a picture and I- made in the image of God. A representative. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. No problem. If he was an angel, no problem. Mm-hmm. But because we say that he is fully God and fully man, suddenly... Well, that sounds like polytheism. Well, um, no. <laughs> because of what Scripture says. Notice what God says right away in Genesis. How does God speak about God's self in Genesis? Does anyone have us. a Bible to look it up? Us. He talks about us. Yeah. Well, that doesn't sound like one God. Right. Yeah, if, uh, let's see It's here. almost like a little bit of uh, multiple personalities. Right. In the best way. Yeah. Talk, talk. Sometimes for God to have a decent conversation, he has to talk to himself. <laughs> right right here. I don't know if this is the first <laughs> instance, but in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. Yes. After our likeness. The witness of God in the Old Testament is, is a juxtaposition in itself because God is always revealed to be 
in relation with God's self so much so that God, when God makes a promise, God says, I swear upon myself, mm-hmm. you know, that, I mean, we would say, I swear to God, that's, you know, uh, and, and you shouldn't do that according to the Bible, but that's how we make oaths. God's oath is I swear upon myself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When God acts, when God engages with the world, it seems to be in this relational of, of one God in multiple persons. Um, you have God creating at the beginning by speaking the word. So the word speaks, God is speaking, and the spirit is descending on the creation. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's multiple expressions of God. The witness of scripture reveals to us that it's not just God is putting on masks, mm-hmm like modalism or something. Um, the idea that God is, God will look like this at one point, God will look like this at another point, God will look like this at another point. That's Hinduism is very similar with that. Mm-hmm. Kind of a mixturing of polytheism and philosophy. Mm-hmm. Rather, it's that God expresses God's self in the witness and revelation of scripture as three distinct persons and yet one God held in tension and yet in perfect conformity with God's self. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And we can't wrap our heads around it because we are singular beings that become lonely that we can't imagine more than one noggin running around in here. Yeah. Um, And it's not even like God has multiple personality um, uh, syndrome. God is, is multiple persons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that starts early. Uh, you go to uh, Genesis one verse two, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters mm-hmm. right away, right away. Yeah. You got multiple here, mm-hmm. yep. but it's not multiple gods. It's one God in Three persons. Mm-hmm. I think that's the definitive number. No more, no less. Mm-hmm. Seems to work. Just just so you know, you've got about a 14-minute warning right now. For, oh, where are we at? <laughs> okay. Okay, so um, we can say with confidence that God is one. And I think of it, in explaining it, it's not arithmetic. It's not one plus one plus one. Rather, in, in writing out in like mathematics how to explain one God and three persons, think of one times one times one. You know how that's like a higher math than addition? Multiplication is mm-hmm. a higher math than addition. God's nature is of a higher, God's essence is of a higher understanding than we can wrap our heads around because we don't think in those perspectives. We think in, in Three spatial dimensions and one time dimension. And outside of that, our heads begin to hurt. Okay. Next one. This one's always fun. We are sinners. Um, and, and it's grasping a hold of that before understanding what Jesus did and why it matters. Because Jesus died for our sins. Um, that was the purpose for his coming in the flesh was to die for sinners like you and me so that we would not die. And when we confess that, it starts with having to admit that we're sinners. What do you think it means to say that you're a sinner? I don't think anyone likes to to do that. We don't like being called out on our stuff. No. My wife gets mad at me for stuff I do all the time, and (laughs) my first response is, I didn't do it! Yeah. Or it's not! It's like blaming yourself for doing something before anybody's called you out for it, you right. know? 
Admitting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I think of it this way. It's kind of like being uh, in AA. Hi, my mm. name is DJ. I'm a sinner. Mm. It's like saying, hi, my name is DJ. I'm an alcoholic. Because all Christians are sinners. Mm-hmm. In fact, you cannot be a Christian without admitting you're a sinner. Right. If you don't admit you're a sinner, you're not a Christian. You ever yeah. think of that? Mm-hmm. And what are we saying about ourselves? We're all demented, recovering addicts. A recovering addict admits their addiction. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. the the point Step of one. beginning recovery. I'm addicted to this. For us, it's it's I'm addicted to not trusting God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we're in recovery. Yeah. That's why we go to church and we have dementia. We keep forgetting it, and we need to hear it again and again and again and again. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Mm-hmm. You're forgiven. Because it's so easy for us to forget it. Yeah. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the purpose of Jesus then? He came to die for sinners. Okay. That's the first part. The reason for the cross is because God loves sinners like you and me. Here's the next one. When what point is this now? Number Point number seven. Number seven. Yes. Okay. These will these, these start to roll together because this is kind of the starting point. We, we've heard about who God is in Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That's points mm-hmm. one through five. Six through 14 are going to get into what Jesus does for you. Okay. And the first one is saying, because you're a sinner, he dies for you. Next, and this is this seems hard to wrap our heads around. This also comes from scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Jesus becomes sin for you. In other words, not only does he bear the sins of the world. He takes them upon himself. He becomes sin. He becomes that thing by which you are separated from God and God's wrath is meant to be poured out upon you. He becomes that. Not only does he, not only does he become the, at the cross, Jesus basically says, I'm the guy. I'm the greatest of sinners. Then he goes on and he says, I'm the only sinner. And then He goes so far at the cross as to make the point that I am sin itself so that all of the wrath that we deserve for our sins is poured out upon Christ and he takes it in our place. This is called the the great exchange. Jesus takes all of our sin. He takes upon himself all the sins of the world. And then by his own confession and by his relationship with sinners becomes sin itself and the only sinner so that when God looks at the world, if you're clothed in Christ, he doesn't see a sinner. You ever thought about that? It's all poured out all the sin, all the, all the things that you feel horrible about the things that you make mistakes on your entire life long because of Christ, it's already been wrapped in him. And he said, it all belongs to me. So the great exchange is learning to put your sins on Jesus who's already taken the full brunt of the penalty for them and setting yourself free of them. It doesn't mean, you know, Jesus loves to forgive and I love to sin. That is to remain in your own sins because you're not handing it over to Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we're still sinners in this life. It's part of our human nature. It's, it's part of the brokenness of humanity. And yet we can be free of our sins already through faith in Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so it's the great exchange. He takes all of our sin and he gives us all of his righteousness. So when God looks at you, God doesn't see a sinner when it belongs to Jesus. That's why we give it to him every week. We confess mm-hmm. and ask for forgiveness every day, really. Yeah. 
God looks at you and he sees his beloved in whom he's well pleased. That's the exchange. He takes your death, your eternal death, on the cross in your place and gives you his eternal life. So yeah, this old sinful body is going to turn to dust someday, but I am going to live and live without sin, if you can even imagine that, in relationship to Jesus. So when your judgment day comes, don't say, I went to Nicaragua and did all this great stuff. (laughs) Say, I'm with him. (laughs) I'm with Jesus. Are you on the list? Yeah, Jesus. Jesus is the list. Uh, So why do I go to Nicaragua? Because Jesus is in Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. Right? That's where you're going to meet him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's with his buddies. He's he's sending you to go join him. Um, And then finally, he kicks the devil in where it counts and overthrows the devil's rulership over this world for you now by faith, if not by sight, because there's still pain, there's still suffering, there's still death, there's still evil. But Jesus has already defeated the devil so that he would be your Lord and Savior rather than the devil being your Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And the thing about the devil is he doesn't want you to know that he's your Lord. He's not really your Savior. He's your persecutor, your accuser, your Lord and accuser in this life. So those who don't know Jesus, who don't think they're sinners, are still under the lordship of the devil. Mm. And the devil doesn't want you to know. He's he's pay no attention to the guy behind the curtain. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on to the next one. This one's kind of cool. And and the first time I heard this was from Pastor Cross this Sunday. Jesus redeems us. Now I, I get the redeeming, but you ever think about like when you get something like like um you can redeem this at Best Buy? Yeah. Yeah. You ever wonder what that means? Yeah. You get it back. You get it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get it back restored to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, salvation, to be saved, means to be taken from the place of danger. I saved you. Like if, like if, if Ryan and I were at the top of the steps and I gave him a little nudge so that he was about to fall, and then I grabbed him and I said, I saved you. <laughs> I saved him from the time of danger. I caused it too, but... <laughs> anyway, sorry. You're never going to want to go, yeah, I'm go not by going steps up. by me. <laughs> You go ahead. Um, not going up the <laughs> stairs if he's behind me. Redeemed, though, means to put you back where you belong. Mm. I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, God calls us good. We're his good creation. We're made in his image. And it's because of sin that we have a stain on the imprint of, of God's image. Mm. It's an imprint of original sin. Um, Jesus restores us to where we belong. That's what redeeming means, yeah. redemption. So I thought that was pretty cool. We can all agree with that one. Moves on. Number nine, First um, Peter chapter 2.24 speaks of Jesus as your healer. I, 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 I believe this. I know it's very, um, it can be frustrating for families when talking about like physical healing. I know that Jesus heals people physically. I know that Jesus, excuse me, heals people emotionally, spiritually, mentally, in all kinds of ways. I've seen it with my own eyes. But often people get frustrated because why doesn't Jesus heal in a way that is measurable and controllable? Mm. Well, the reason we say that is because we want to be in control of what Jesus is doing. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus becomes a medicine or a trophy. Right. Yeah. But you know what? Um, with my, my mom passed away this last year and being with her and being able to say goodbye, I can confidently say as much as, as I personally miss her, I mean, every day there's moments you miss our loved ones, right? 
that have gone gone to heaven before we have that have died. Um, in her death, she was completely healed. Completely. I mean, uh, her her heavenly self is completely healed. Whole again. Yeah, of of not just sickness and illness and and old age or whatever, of sin, of death, of the devil. Mm-hmm. Jesus completely heals. When you think about miraculous healing, or even healing, you know, Jesus is the Word of God. All things were created through Him. All medicine, everything comes through Jesus. The healing that we get in this life may be meaningful to us personally, but it's really just kind of a, it's an intermission because we're all going, we're all walking through the valley of the shadow of death, Mm -hmm. right? The question is, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your sickness, do you have Jesus? Mm. Because Jesus brings healing that may not be physical, but gives that person the hope and the strength that they need in order to carry that cross. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, number 10. God, the son does all this because he is merciful. You know, that's a little different than grace. I, I've heard grace being um, getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Um, not only is Jesus gracious, he gives us what we don't deserve. He's merciful. He doesn't give us what we do deserve. Yeah. Um, number 11, and this, this, this causes problems with people in church all the time, but it's, it's part of the biblical witness. Holy baptism, just like the Lord's Supper, God's hand is in it. Holy baptism is Jesus' chosen sign by which you can know that he belongs to you that he is your Lord, your Savior, that he was born for you, that he died for you, that he's risen for you, Mm -hmm. that tomorrow is going to be okay. The answer is Jesus. And why is baptism so important? Because in this life, we are simultaneously sinner and saint 100%. And without that physical, experiential, experiential promise of Jesus, if we think that it's ultimately up to what we think or what we feel, we're going to doubt what we think and what we feel. And so the question always comes, did I really accept Jesus? Life's really hard right now. Did I really accept him? Mm-hmm. Why is he letting this happen to me? You know, that's the devil whispering in your ear. Mm-hmm. You're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You didn't do it right. And in those times that I don't feel that joy in my heart, did I really accept Jesus? Because if I did, would I feel this way? Baptism comes outside of yourself in such a way that you can look to it wait a minute, I'm washed. Yeah, life is really tough right now, and yet Jesus promises that I belong to him. I'm baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's a Mm -hmm. tangible, physical event that is outside of what the world would consider miraculous or important, yet for the Christian is the thing that our faith can rest on to know that we're saved and we can use it every day by my baptism. I know that God will forgive me. So I ask that the Lord would forgive me of my sins again this day and wash me clean in the blood of Christ. Make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple more. How much time do we got? Six minutes. Piece of cake. You got uh, 13 seconds. Actually. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> 11. <laughs> Jesus is your Lord. Um, by birthright, Jesus is your Lord. Um, 
by uh, the rebellion that he carries into sinful creation. Because if you think about what Jesus does in the scriptures, it's a rebellion against this, the, the powers that control the world. Because what does he do? He forgives sinners. He blows up the entire game by which we run things in this world. Um, he, he's, he's a sniper sniping demons out of people all over the place, especially in the gospel of Mark, read Mark. It's pretty exciting in the first couple chapters. So it's a full, it's a full invasion by Christ through absolution, absolving sinners of the absolute condemnation they deserve because of their sins. And finally, through action, Jesus conquers the world by dying and rising. And, and what's so important about the resurrection, it's not that just that Jesus died for our sins, because if Jesus just died for our sins, then Jesus wouldn't matter. He would have been considered a crazy guy who said he was all these things, and yet the same rules apply to him too. Mm-hmm. But because he's risen, he is vindicated as being exactly what he said he is the entire time, mm-hmm. that he is the word of God, that he is um, the water of life that he is, um, uh, that he and the Father are one, that what the Father does is what the Son will do. So if Jesus forgives you, the Father forgives you. And it's because of his resurrection that he can say that because death has been swallowed up. The ultimate arbiter, the ultimate um, uh, thumb upon our existence is the reality of death. And death has been, has been basically gotten a tummy ache because of Jesus. It swallowed him up and couldn't hold him. So he is vindicated, and everything that he says is the truth. And so if Jesus says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Hmm. Um, number 13. So Jesus is the Lord based on the actions that he does. How do you acquire him as your Lord? I mentioned before, through baptism. Faith is, is the proof. Um, but there is the, the physical action that we take, which is confessing. Um, you never notice, it's kind of funny, we do confirmation every year, and this is kind of the, the way that the Lutheran Church throughout history has made confessors out of our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're little, they children's message, they'll confess Jesus till they're blue in the face. You get a teenager to do it, and it's like pulling <laughs> teeth. But we have them do it. Mm-hmm. And, and you would see such an un- <laughs> an unjoyous bunch. And yet in that confession, what they are confessing um, is that Jesus is their Lord. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what confirmation is about. You are confirming publicly that Jesus is your Lord. Right. And the scriptures say, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. So you acquire Christ through the promises that he gives, but then you express it. You express him as Lord and Savior through confession. Yeah. Okay. One doesn't go without the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I get any complaints about the timing of, well, you're not saved until you confess it. Ah, calm down. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, uh, number 14. Through all of this, God Almighty, uh, God the Son, the Word of God, through whom all things creates is created, chooses to become your servant, or even more so, your slave. Mm-hmm. 
In other words, doing the will that you want that you do not want, as Paul would put it. Uh, you want salvation, but do you really want a savior? Jesus does that mm-hmm. and becomes your servant, taking upon you himself all of your needs and your in, your entire existence. And because of Christ, your existence will go on eternally because of him. So what, what are we supposed to be then? It, it has a way of reframing our lives. If you know that you matter so much to the creator of everything, and when you think about how big creation is, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And us little dots, us little specks of dust on this blue ball floating through the ne- the nether realm, you mm-hmm. know, um, for billions of years, whether that started 4,000 years ago or a billion years ago is irrelevant to me. Uh, well, you know, but continuing to spin mm-hmm. that you matter. Yeah. And chooses to be your servant. What does that do to your life? What, what is that? How does that change you? You guys ever think about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the simple answer is, well, it means that we're to be servants. Yeah, but s- servants for who, to whom? Servants for whom, to whom? Like, I don't serve... Without Jesus, without God in my life, everything that I do is really self-serving. Mm-hmm. Like, even, even, even serving someone else is about me rather than their need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... We were talking feed my starving children, and we were talking about heroes in the Bible yesterday. And I, I mentioned the kids too. I said, you know, you, you may not realize this, but how often do you get the chance to be the hero? Mm-hmm. Um, God is still acting. God is still speaking every day. I mean, you have the Holy Spirit. God is with you. When do you get to be the hero? And I, I made the point that you know. An hour with Feed My Starving Children, packing food. The hero is the person who steps in and makes sacrifices in life or death situations. That's what heroes are. Mm-hmm. In scripture, in, in, in ancient writing, in comic books. You know, they, they make the tough decision in life or death situations. Um, in, a, in an hour's time at Shields Arena, you get to be the hero. Yeah. Because every one of those meals is a life or death scenario for somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. And we don't even really think about that. Right. Um, well, that's also what it means to be the servant. Being the servant means you get to be the hero. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It is cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. So those are my 14 theses. Do we agree with Pastor Cross? Is he in the ballpark, do you think? I or is he a complete yeah. heretic and I we need to he's all right. convene we'll, we'll a council the, to excommunicate? We'll let him be the senior pastor for this week. <laughs> we'll see about next week. I, I, did like, I did like one question that he asked uh, in during the message, and we probably should have mentioned at the beginning of this, and I'll put the link to this um, to the sermon uh, in the description here. Um, but this was the message that uh, Pastor Paul Cross gave on um, the 16th of January, 2022. 20 deuce deuce. Yep. Uh, but the question that he asked uh, that I thought was interesting for us here in the United States was, uh, what does it mean for Jesus to be my Lord 
and how does that affect my personal freedom? Mm. So there's one to think about too. The great idol, mm-hmm. personal freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a lot to think about there. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I contend, I, I had someone online disagree with me on this one, but I contend from that podcast that God created Israel for the specific purpose of being a, um, a free nation in a world that didn't have that even as a concept. Is it started as a as a confederation of tribes, and I I got that from reading about Samuel and Saul for confirmation. I mean, God says flat out, if you want a king, you're rejecting me as your king, mm-hmm. and you're choosing slavery over freedom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hadn't thought of it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, looks like. Uh, Looks like you only went over by like nine minutes. Excellent. That's that's a new record for me. <laughs> well, but I, I rambled on for the first 15, so I'm... I, Thankfully, uh, there's not a horde of six-year-old ankle biters yeah. wanting to run through the door. We don't it's know that. actually rabid dog. <laughs> yeah, we don't know that. <laughs> so, well, cool. That that was good. Um, and uh, uh, if, if you have not seen, if you have not watched the message, uh, check it out. Um, uh, it was it was really good. Um, the, the traditional joke is that Lutherans give three point sermons. Well, Pastor Cross kicked that in the rear end. Yeah, yeah. Who blew that think, out of the water? Who does he think he is? <laughs> <laughs> so, cool. That was good. Thank you. Thanks for You're breaking welcome. that down. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I th- I think uh, we we should uh, we should wrap her up. Huh? Sounds good I'd to me. Wrap it up. All right. Do you need somebody else to do the outro for you, Ryan, since you've been gone so long? Or? Yeah, I think so. It won't yeah. be riveting if he doesn't do it, though. True. Well, how about you You pray us Ooh. out and, and uh, all right, yeah. Okay, and we'll, then you get, you'll get take it from there? Yeah. All right, yeah, sounds I good. I can do that. Okay. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for this message that we're able to find promise not only in your son, Jesus, but also in you and in the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just pray that... Everybody listening to this or watching this is knowing your peace, knowing your love, and knowing your redemption, that you not only save us from danger and where we shouldn't be, but also put us back to where we belong. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you are looking for a place to worship this weekend, you can join us on site at 4601 South University Drive here in Fargo, North Dakota, or you can find us online at atonementfargo.org, atonement.live, or on the YouTubes by searching Atonement Fargo. So for Sarah DeYoung and Pastor DJ Lura, I'm Ryan Janke, and you can join us next time not for a satisfactory episode, Not for, eh, it was an all right episode. Join us for another riveting episode of that podcast. So good. (laughs) 